Hi, everyone. I'm Elizabeth Ann, and I am your pop culture prophet. Before we begin this week's episode, I have some people I want to give shout outs to. Some amazing people who subscribed and reviewed the podcast. Rose Battle and Kim Norgren Witt were the first two to review the podcast on Facebook. Thank you both. You guys are amazing. And Amber Simpson and Chris Heatherly have reviewed it on Apple Podcasts. You guys are just as amazing. I love hearing what you think about the show. All right, let's get to it. Hello, everyone. This is our third episode of Pop Culture Profit. Today, we are going to be talking about Will and Grace and the Gender of God with my Will and Grace expert, Matt Battle. Hi, Matt. Hi, what's going on? Um, You know, not much. Just recording this podcast with you. (laughs) Um, why don't you introduce yourself um, to our listeners? Well, I'm Maddie Josem, the family nickname my cousin Kim gave me because she couldn't say Matthew Joseph quite right at that age. Did you know I didn't know Joseph was your middle name for a long time? No. Like I thought it was Josem. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, I was named after my <laughs> Uncle Joe, which he's very proud of. I've noticed. (laughs) (laughs) I even gave him a shout out at the wedding. Well, what else about yourself do you want to share? Well, I live in Atlanta. I've lived here since I was one. Uh, I work for a security arm of the federal government. I would tell you more specifics, but then I'd have to kill you. So we'll leave it at that. Good Uh, with me. (laughs) As far as religion, um, I've always considered myself spiritual. Uh, Mm -hmm. My parents were Methodists and they would... They used to go to church, but they had a falling out with the church over the Vietnam War. They tell me they feel like the church should have spoken out more about it and taken a political stand. So I wasn't really exposed to organized religion a lot when I was little. But I've always believed in God and and, uh, believed I'm pretty spiritual. Do you ever remember talking with your parents about God? Or was that something that kind of came from your own... We went to church a a few times when I was little, um, but really it was like a handful of times. And uh, my parents didn't say much about God, but I always did believe that God spoke to me even as a little child. So almost like an imaginary friend, only it was Mm -hmm. God. So. Oh, I like that. All right, so I have um, deemed you our will and grace expert. I actually texted you and told you that you are, and we're going to be on this podcast. But um, why do you think you are a will and grace expert? Well, I guess uh, I, I would say I'm more a Star Wars expert and a will and grace super fan. And we will have you back as a Star Wars expert okay. for a big Star Wars <laughs> show we're doing. So don't worry. But I do think that both Star Wars and Will and Grace influenced my life in different ways. Star Wars was just something that really sparked my imagination and was just something completely different. And then Will and Grace was completely different in that it mainstreamed gay culture in America. Yeah, and so can you kind of describe um, your first experience of watching Will and Grace? Well, I was just kind of stunned that I was seeing me and people I knew on mainstream network television and it was it just made everything so much more acceptable and made uh, me and of course my friends feel so much more um, like I would guess you would say normal people rather Mm -hmm. than being you know something on the fringe and so 
this show was huge for the gay community, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I, um, my husband now, who's 19 years younger than I am, so of a ge- different generation, um, doesn't quite even to this day, he loves Will and Grace, but he didn't see it when it came out, and he doesn't really understand how big an impact it made. I mean, it really was groundbreaking for the gay community, and I think that it actually mainstreamed us more than anything else that's that's happened in our history in this country. Mm-hmm. And so today we're talking about um, a specific character, Jack McFarland, and how um, he speaks about God to begin our discussion about the gender of God. For the listeners that may have not watched Will and Grace, or it may be a while since they watched watch the show. Um, how would you describe Jack McFarland as a character? Well, Jack McFarland is very much a, a caricature of someone, a gay male. Uh, he's very, very funny. He's very uh, exaggerated, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, and I think that he's a very important character in that he uh, he was very instrumental in, in mainstreaming because you you don't uh, with Will and Grace you didn't want somebody downplaying what it is to be gay you wanted someone overtly gay so that people could get more used to it. Mm-hmm. So I thought his character was extremely important and the fact that they Will and Grace and through his character and Karen's in particular uh, they used humor to. I guess, disarm people so that they were more accepting. People are a lot more accepting of change when it comes, when it's dealt with through humor than they are if you're sort of in their face and being very serious about it. Yeah. And um, I'm just now thinking about the show Friends and how, um, do you watch Friends? I've watched Friends off and on. I haven't seen every episode. Okay. So um, in the first season, you find out that Ross is, wife is a lesbian Mm. and I was wondering how um that might be different a different way that the gay community has been portrayed and if in any way using humor in that way kind of changed the course as well because when I look at Will and Grace it seems to be um really putting that forth in a new way whereas in Friends it's always kind of just like a side joke yeah I think every bit of um, inclusion of gay characters and lesbian characters on TV and in the movies is in pop culture in general is helpful. Um, but I do think that Will and Grace went beyond it just being an, an ancillary character to main characters being gay. I mean, the, the show is primarily about gay characters and interaction with straight characters and the gay characters. So I think Will and Grace did a lot more than Friends but again, also, anytime people can see gay people as mainstreamed and in the television shows and the movies they watch, I think it's a, a positive for the gay community. So any exposure or inclusion is good? Uh, most exposure and inclusion yeah. is good. I mean, it, I wouldn't say any because I'm sure that, you know, there are some instances where it's not positive exposure. So Sure. All right, so let's get into the gender of God. Um, which is going to be a super fun topic. (laughs) So um, there are a few instances instances throughout Will and Grace where Jack refers to God as she, and I couldn't find the specific moments, but they're kind of sprinkled um, Mm -hmm. throughout the show. And then there's um, one very specific example where God is personified in a dream of Jack's as Cher. 
Um, the whole share moment is clearly a joke. He is in heaven because the entertainer part of him has died. Um, and he asks Cher if she's God, and she says it depends which bathhouse you pray at. <laughs> um, and so Cher tells him that the entertainment world needs him, and that's kind of the whole point of his dream, that he's left entertainment and he needs to go back. Um, so, Matt, why do you think Cher was chosen for this role? Well, Cher has always been a, an icon in the gay community. She was supportive um, of the gay community and, inclus- and included the gay community from the start, way before it was cool to be friends with gay people and, mm-hmm. and to treat gay people as equals. She's always embraced our community. Um, so I, I think that everyone in the gay community has a special place in their heart for Cher. And I think also she's just uh, an icon uh, dance music-wise, which of course is uh, big in the gay community because going out to the clubs was an early way for uh, especially gay men to socialize where it was, you know, just everyone is, is, is gay. Mm-hmm. So you're not one in a million. You yeah. know, everyone around you is part of your community. Yeah. So she was always present in the community through the dance music and through her um, support of the gay community. And um, as far as Jack goes, we'll um, get to your personal answer later, but do you think he really only views God as a woman? Um, Is this a true view or another one of his classic jokes? I think it's both. I think that it's, he's joking about it, but I also think that he, he, um, the character may actually believe that, that God is is a woman. Yeah. Which, um, my personal belief, I would probably agree with him on that, if we have to assign a gender to God. Yeah, so that brings up a great point. So for years, um, God has always been thought of as male. And it's understandable to see where this view comes from. There's mainly masculine masculine language within the Bible. Um, And then theological teaching and Christian songs kind of all promote this idea of God as male. Um, everyone can pretty much agree that God is personified throughout the Bible as masculine terms like king, father, lord, um, shepherd. There's a ton. But um, are these the only examples? And that's what we're going to look at. It's understandable that when the New Testament and the Old Testament were written, um, both in patriarchal societies, that this view was the most popular. But both Testaments show examples of a feminine aspect of God as well opening us up to the question, is God limited to one gender? For those of you who are already getting uncomfortable, I'm (laughs) sure some of you are out there, um, just listen to these examples before you get too mad. And if you do get mad, I think that's great because it isn't until we are challenged that we have to strengthen our own opinions. So listen to this, do your research, and form a strong opinion. And it doesn't have to be the same as mine or Matt's either. So the first example comes from Genesis 1, where you find the creation story. The author writes about a spirit hovering over the waters before creation began. This spirit is the Hebrew word ruach. It's one of my favorite Hebrew words. And it's a feminine word. This is the word used throughout the Old Testament for breath and spirit, including the spirit of God. So right off the bat, we have an image of a feminine spirit hovering over the waters before creation, kind of preparing the way. Hmm. The second example I'll present, although there are more, comes from the parable of the lost coin in Luke 15, 8 through 10, where Jesus is using example after example to explain how God cares for every one of us. In this parable, 
Jesus explains that a woman has ten silver coins but loses one. She frantically searches, lighting lamps and moving things around to find the coin. And when she finds it, she invites all her neighbors over to celebrate that she has found the coin. We are told that in the same way, there is rejoicing in heaven when a sinner turns to God. While it might be second nature to want to argue against this being a representation of God as female, it comes right after the parable of the lost sheep and right before the parable of the lost son, commonly known as the prodigal son, both of which are stories we feel comfortable comparing the male characters to God. Um, Now, I'm not saying that God is only female, but that God can relate to us with both genders. I believe that God is beyond gender because God is so much more than we can understand. Father, Lord, King, Shepherd, and so on are all words um, we use as humans to just better relate to the natures of God. And to me, there seems to be clear evidence that some natures of God are what we would consider feminine. If there wasn't, I don't think as many females would be mentioned in the Bible, especially with speaking parts, and I don't think we would have two Old Testament books named after women. It also seems significant and sometimes forgotten or overlooked that women were the first to see Jesus after the resurrection and that females were an important part of Paul's ministry, specifically in funding, but also in housing and leading and as deacons. So Matt, that was a lot of biblical information, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, some of which might have been new to you. But what are are your thoughts about the gender of God? Um, Is this anything you have thought about before or do you even care about this at all? Uh, No, I've I've thought about it off and on. I believe if you were to assign a gender to God, it would make more sense to me for God to be what we think of as a woman because here on earth with with humankind, women are more tied to creation and that they are the ones to give birth, to carry the child before birth, Mm -hmm. to care more for the child historically after the child is born. So I would say if you had to choose a gender for God, it would make more sense to me that God would be a woman um, since women are more important in the creation of life and God created life. Um, However, I don't really think that God is either sex. He's neither sex and he's or she um, is neither sex and not both sexes combined, just something um, greater than we are. So Mm -hmm. we're just, it's not something I would even apply to he or she. I would just say that God is God. God has always been and always will be. There's no need. He he or she can create without, without gender, I would say. And do you think it's important to kind of push this idea that God has no gender? Because I think of things like the language that we use to talk about God. You know, we're both <clears throat> we're both kind of fighting not to say he right now. Right. Um, it's all throughout the Bible. It's all throughout hymns. And there are a lot of people um, that, you know, have <laughs> bad experience with men. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people hear the word father and don't think of positive aspects. And so do you think the language that we use to talk about God is limiting to us? Do you think it's important to change it? I do think it's limiting. And I do think there's also another aspect to why we call God he in the English language. There is no gender neutral singular pronoun. So we can't say it because it is insulting. Mm -hmm. Um, So by default in the English language, at least historically, 
uh, we default to he if you don't know whether it's a he or she. Right. So that could be part of the reason we default to calling God he. Um, also, of course, um, what we, we see in the Bible referring um, to God as he. So I, but again, I would say that God is, is neither sex, and I guess we would run into the issue of what do, what pronouns do we use for God in the English language when there is no gender neutral pronoun? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people suggest to use, um, like I said, of he or she every time you just use the word God. So then you're saying things like God self and yes. other words that feel kind of strange, but I think it can be more impactful when you're saying God's name every single time because it's just kind of that reminder again of of the power of that name and the importance. That's a good idea I hadn't thought of. And while it is strange at first, the more people end up using it, the less strange it'll be, just like Will and Grace mainstreamed uh, gaze into the American culture where they people were disarmed of their uh, preconceptions through humor. Um, the more they got used to it mm-hmm. by seeing it in every you know everyday life through Will and Grace, um, the easier it got for them to accept the gay community. I think the same thing if we start using referring to God without pronouns, that people would eventually get used to it and it wouldn't seem so strange. Mm-hmm. And how do you think um, all of this relates more to Jack McFarlane? Even if we see it as a joke, um, do you think there could be some truth there in the fact that, you know, God might actually be female? Well, I don't think any of us knows, but again, I would say that if we, we had to assign uh, gender to God, it would make more sense to me that God would be a female because of the uh, female's role in and the creation of life and the nurturing of life. That sounds more like God to me than uh, than the male aspects. So, Matt, do you have any final words um, that you'd like to share with our listeners? I'd simply say, love thy neighbor, whether through humor or otherwise. We're all equal in the eyes of God, or at least that's what she told me when I was a child. Ooh, I like it. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Pop Culture Profit. I also want to take a minute to thank those of you that subscribed to the podcast this week. Maggie Mosley and Carly Butler, you are both amazing. Thank you for subscribing. And also thank you to one of my favorite podcasts, Homebrew Christianity, that subscribed to my podcast. I love you guys and that means the world to me. You can find Pop Culture Profit on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, where you can subscribe, rate, and review yourself. And you might get a shout-out in the next episode. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at Pop Culture Profit, or you can email me at contact at popcultureprofit.com. That's contact at popcultureprofit.com. Thanks for listening. Bye!